How's it going, everybody? Welcome into episode nine of the College Hockey Podcast. I'm Ezra Janello. I'm coming to you from my house this week. Uh, we got put in quarantine. We had a head cold. We tested negative, but that doesn't matter. At Franklin Pierce, if you leave the New England area, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And I'm from New Jersey, so no matter how close I am, I guess it doesn't matter. Obviously, I'm a little salty about it, but we have still about a uh, what five days left on my 14-day quarantine, so I'm close, but gives us more time to talk about college hockey. We busted out a couple of interviews in quarantine. It was, it was a good 14 days, including we got back Mick Curran, who I don't know what happened with his original interview, but it's just not there. But we got a new one. It's even better than the first one that we did. Uh, when I originally interviewed him, it was right at the beginning of the podcast, right when I was starting to get interviews done, right with like the Lawson McDonald and, and those uh, phone call shitty quality interviews. Um, the Lawson McDonald interview, that was, that was an A-plus interview. Um, but, but the quality of the phone call that I was doing with the equipment just wasn't it. So unreal interview with Mick Curran. It's going to be at the end of the episode, of course, from Curry College. We didn't even touch on the fact that he's a two-sport athlete also playing lacrosse. But a great interview. But first, we've got the Northeast 10 Conference, the NE10, my home conference. We're going to be doing the entire entirety of it, all seven teams in this one episode. If there's one conference to do it with, it's this one. Um, and for that reason, the reasoning is it's such a close conference. Uh, there's seven teams, but six teams were in the playoff hunt uh, up until the last day of the season. But uh, like I said, seven teams. The Assumption Greyhounds, the St. Mike's Purple Knights, the Stonehill Skyhawks, the Franklin Pierce University Ravens, the St. Aslam Hawks, the SNHU Penmen, and the Post Eagles. Uh, and the Post Eagles, they're sort of in a, a league of their own. We're going to talk about them. But also, this Assumption Greyhounds team, they were on fire last year. We're going to hop right into it with them. They finished the regular season in first place. Uh, they had a two-point lead and held the first seed for the playoffs to end the season. Uh, but they didn't go very far, just the semifinals. It's, it's semifinals and finals in the NE10. Uh, and they lost 4-3 in overtime to Franklin Pierce. Uh, and, and that was two straight losses to them. They ended the season. Franklin Pierce clinched the playoff push with a 1-0 win over Assumption. And they go, we drive down to Worcester. I'm in the building. I'm calling the game for, for Raven Sports Network. And Franklin Pierce, they, they were trailing in the game, and they came back. Steven Jacobs had two goals, a defenseman. And one of the things I preach every, every broadcast is you got to get pucks on net, especially against David Zuloff, who was in the net for the Greyhounds. That's exactly what he did. He just threw pucks on net. One of the goals, he legit crossed the blue line and just put it on net, and, and it went in. So that was pretty much the epitome of that game. Uh, Chris Stevenson got the overtime winner. He got the puck at the top of the circles. Just turned, fired it, put it five-hole. And it was just, I mean, for us, uh, for my partner and I, Tyler and I, we were unreal. I mean, it was, it was best feeling in the world. It was a week after our women's hockey team lost in the fifth overtime of their semifinal game for the NAWHA, their division one uh, conference, but great feeling. Knew we were going to go to the finals the next week in Boston. So assumption though, 15, 9, and 4 overall. I think I said that already. 12, 4, and 2 in conference. They were very good all year long and had to deal with David Zuloff, their starting goalie. He was locked down. Uh, they, he's graduated now. He was a senior. They had eight of them on their roster last year. Two forwards, four defensemen, and two goalies. So they are losing a lot of their defensive 
core. They're, they're not keeping a ton of them. They're helping that out a little bit. Uh, as of a couple months ago, six confirmed transfers on elite prospects, three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. Uh, I'm looking at two guys from the Vermont Lumberjacks in the EHL, Cameron Roberts and Will Roberts. So obviously they're very similar, but even closer than that, in 44 games, they both played 44. Cameron had 21 points, nine goals, 12 assists, while Will, the forward, had eight goals, 15 assists for 23 points. So Cameron Roberts, a defenseman, Will Roberts, a forward, they're going to be looking to get into Worcester, get to Assumption, and help the Greyhounds get back to the playoffs, get the number one seed, and this time go to the finals. Um, but they definitely have a, a, a good tandem of players coming in and, and a good amount of players that they're keeping to, uh, to do that. Next up, we've got St. Michael's, 15-9-3 overall, 11-5-2 in conference. They finished in second place and had home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. They lost 4-3 in overtime to the third-seeded Stonehill, the Skyhawks. Um, but the big thing for me for St. Mike's, the Purple Knights, uh, I, by the way, A-plus name, St. Mike's, the Purple Knights. Um, but they went on a six-game undefeated streak to end the regular season, 5-0-1. So they kind of caught heat a little late, uh, which is always good. But they just couldn't keep it going against a Stonehill team who was even hotter. Uh, and we'll get about we'll get into into Stonehill next, but St. Mike's they they got hot pretty late. They had a decent year, pretty steady. Didn't lose a ton of games in a row very often, um, but of course they didn't win that last game of the season. That's everybody's goal. That's what everybody wants to do. I think they're going to be very very well positioned to do that next year, and part of that being is the fact that they only had three seniors on the roster last year: a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. That Tim Decker. William Stanganelli, uh, yes, Stantagelli, San, sorry, and Hayden Jordan, uh, a goalie, a forward, and a defenseman. Tim Decker obviously was their starting goalie. Uh, and they've got a couple commits on elite prospects. The first one I'm looking at is Alex Dalton. He played for Valley, the Junior Warriors, in the EHL last year, 13 points in 32 games, but he had 77 PIMS. Talk about it all the time. I love players that play the game the right way. You got to play it hard. I'm not afraid of a guy who's going to play the game hard and he picks up a penalty here and there. Um, if you're not getting penalties, you're, you're definitely not playing hockey the right way. But they're also bringing in a goalie, Marshall Murphy, who last year he played in the Western States League. Uh, last two years, last three years, he played in the Western States League, the last two of them being with the Northern Colorado Eagles. Uh, in 18-19, he held a 921 save percentage through 39 games. That stat dipped a little, as well as his goal against average, which was uh, a 276 goals against average and a 917 save percentage in 42 games. Uh, but I, I really want to look at 2017-2018 when he played for the Superior Rough Riders, also in the Western States League. Uh, and this organization is an unbelievable organization. We have a kid here at Franklin Pierce, Chris Stevenson, who played for them. He grew up in Colorado. Uh, but let me just list off the teams that they have playing with them. They've got the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders in the USHL, the Connecticut Rough Riders in the EHL, the Rocky Mountain Rough Riders that play Tier 1 hockey, the Boulder Rough Riders that play Tier 2 hockey, the Cedar Rapids Youth Hockey, they have the Lady Rough Riders, and they have the Rough Riders Adult Hockey. They also have basketball teams, volleyball teams, they have like fitness training teams, they also have baseball and softball teams, and I also have the Rough Riders College Baseball, which uh, I'm a big baseball guy. 
Uh, it's my second favorite sport. It's one of the sports I commentate at Franklin Pierce. And college ball is a big thing. Uh, you stay warm in the summer by going to play college ball. That's exactly what they do. So I don't know who owns this organization, who runs it, what it's like, but it's just, it's an unreal, just sports oriented organization. I think it's similar to the East Coast Wizards here on the, on the East Coast, um, where they have, I know they have field hockey and hockey. I don't know if they have anything else than that, but uh, if you've ever been to Edge, they've got the turf up top that the field hockey team plays on. But either way, they've got a couple guys coming in. They're going to look to uh, repeat the season that they had last year where they were well over 500, well into the playoffs. Uh, they just want to make it farther than that semifinal where they got upended by Stonehill, who happens to be the next team that we're talking about. Last year, Stonehill, 13-11-5 overall, 8-6-4 in conference. And let me tell you, they had the worst start in the any 10 Even though they finished in third place, they had the worst start in the any 10 one 8 and one through the entire first half of the season. Usually you'd say that that team would finish in last place, but I don't know what happened when they went on a winter break and they came back in, in beginning of January. But on the second half of the season, they went 12, 3, and 4. They only lost three games in the entirety of the second half of the season. Uh, 12 of their 13 wins came in the second half of the season. And, of course, they beat St. Michael's, the number two seed, 4-3 in overtime. And they go and they beat Franklin Pierce in the championships at the Warrior Ice Arena in the championship at the Warrior Ice Arena in Boston in the final for their conference championship. They were a very good team. Uh, another game I was in the building for commentating. Uh, it was a very close game, but they they caught so much heat in that second half and just you could not. They steamrolled pretty much everybody in the any ten. Uh, but. They are, they are losing a, a lot of bodies, 12 seniors on the roster, nine forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. Uh, first of all, Cameron Wright. Uh, he was on the all any 10 first team, 29 games last year, 30 points, found his teammates pretty well, scored the puck pretty well. He had 17 and 13, so just an all-around great player on the offensive end. He was also a really good 200-foot player. He, he didn't take anything off. He didn't uh, lack the speed on the back check. He he was a good player for the Skyhawks last year. And then they're also losing their anchor, their big man in back, Matt Shane, uh, their starting goalie. He was named the all any 10 first team. He was the any 10 goalie of the year. He was on the any 10 all tournament MVP. And he was an academic all district one at large first team for Cosida. Uh, so not only was he an absolute wall on the back end for the Skyhawks, but he's also an academic weapon off the ice. So Stonehill, they are losing a lot. It'd be really, really hard for me to say that they repeat at the, as the any 10 champions, but it's what they're trying to do. They're doing a pretty good job. Uh, as of a couple months ago, five confirmed transfers on elite prospects, four forwards and a defenseman. Uh, the first guy I'm looking at is Drew Gardner. Last year in the NCDC, he played 45 games for the Twin City Thunder. And we had a goal and 10 assists for 11 points. But in the NA10, you don't see a ton of NCDC guys. You don't see a ton of NA guys. And you definitely don't see any USHL guys. You see a whole lot of EHL elite, USPHL premier. Uh, Franklin Pierce, we actually have a kid who played uh, seven games in the EHL premier, which I played seven games in the EHL premier last year. So I guess that means that I could play for Franklin Pierce. Um, obviously it doesn't, but, um, 
Drew Gardner, he's going to have a huge impact for Stonehill right away this year. And then Thomas Horick, a forward last year in the USPHL, he played for the Junior Monarchs in New Hampshire. 43 games, 56 points, and that's brought to you by, brought to you by 39 assists. It just tells me he's really good at finding open teammates and finding open ice. And that's exactly how Stonehill plays. They found a lot of open ice in the games that I watched them play at the Jason Ritchie Ice Arena in Wingenden, and they found a lot more open ice in that championship game against Franklin Pearson. Franklin Pearson's up next. Like I said, this conference is so tight. I mean, six-team six race for the playoffs on the last day of the, uh, of the season. But Franklin Pearson, the fourth seed last year, 16-12-4 overall, 8-7-3 in the conference. They played the most amount of games out of everybody in the NE10, the most amount of out-of-conference games. They finished the season in fourth place. Again, they, they clinched on that last day of the season with a 1-0 win over Assumption. And then a couple days later, maybe a week later, they went into Assumption in Worcester uh, in an awful arena. Uh, Assumption might have the worst rank in college hockey, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, but they won 4-3, that Chris Stevenson goal – the two goals from Steven Jacobs, and I think they had another goal from a defenseman. It might have been Johnny Booslin, but I'm not sure. Uh, but then they go to the championship. They lose 3-1 to Stonehill. And if you listen to uh, a couple of guys, that, that one guy came on the podcast, Sam Gagnon, him and Matt Toombs, two Franklin Pierce alums, they have a podcast called Ice Kings, and they speak about that game in their first episode. So go give it a listen. But they, they talk a little bit about the officiating in the game. Uh, the two good brothers, one of them, or, or cousins, whatever they are, they, they ref in the any 10 all the time. I don't like them. I'm a ref. I, I wouldn't make a lot of the calls that they make. I would make a lot of the calls they don't make. Um, but officiating was definitely a thing there. But like I said, no bias in the College Hockey Podcast. Stonehill 100% deserved to win that game, especially after the second half of the season that they had. Franklin Pierce, though, the big thing for me was they had an eight-game heater during the season. Um, that they just they were on fire. That was during the first half, and then they lost the last game, the first half, to Nichols in the CCC. Um, in terms of what they're bringing and what they're losing, they're not losing a ton of – they're losing depth players. They are losing uh, two guys on their first line. And, uh, well, first, Alex Lester, who – Alex Lester is the best player in Division Two college hockey, which is – I say it as a joke because there's only one conference, but in the last two years, he's gotten two NE10 player of the years. So his junior and senior year, he was the best player in the NE10. He's the program all-time leader in goals, assists, and points. And last year in 32 games played, he had 40 points, 18 goals, 22 assists. Uh, a lot of that is great teammates, but he is so good. He's also the captain of, of the Ravens. And I spoke to him after one game. They, they won a game. It was in February. And he had broken another program record. And I asked him, I, was, I work for athletics. I write for them. So I was, I was trying to get a quote for the game recap. And I said, Alex, you're breaking all these records. You're, you're going to get all these accolades at the end of the year. You're going to get all these awards. Uh, do you think about that? And he, he looked at me straight face. And he goes, I just want to win hockey games. That's all he wants is to win hockey games. He's such a team player. He's such a good captain. He leads by example. He's not going to get on someone for not back checking. Uh, and then go out there and not back check. He, he's just an all-around unreal dude. He's unreal off the ice. Um, but they, they just, they lost a big one in that. No goalies being lost. 
They're, they're keeping a couple big defensemen. So they're posed to do a lot of damage this year in the NE10. Uh, they have 13 guys coming in, a lot of, of commitments and, and one transfer. Uh, and I mentioned that I write in athletics. I write feature stories and game recaps. And, and my freshman year, you know, I was first getting into the whole college hockey thing at Franklin Pierce. I wrote a feature story on the hockey team. And it was about the fact that they had 12 freshmen coming in and that it's, it's a big thing when you're rebuilding a team that every team has to go through a rebuild. Um, and, and that's exactly what they did my freshman year. They brought in 12 guys and that it can do a lot more than just bring in success because you got to gel them, the, the young guys and the old guys. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing this year. The, the goal two years ago when they first came in was to win an NA 10 championship. Of course, last year they came very close. This year, 13 guys. The goal is the same, win an NA 10 championship. Uh, but two guys I'm looking at, Cody Rumsey. He played in the EHL last year for Team Maryland. In 42 games, he had 40 points. He had 13 goals and 27 assists. He's also coming with Jackson Dobek, who also played for Team Maryland. But I also want to talk about John Jammers. Uh, the, the Ravens, they have a kid named Pat Gagliardi, who is huge. He's, a, he's an unbelievable body. Lots of big hits. I actually think he had a big hit in that championship game. But um, they do a lot of damage on the blue line, and John Jammers is going to do that. 6'5", 210, and he just – huge 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 body the other guy they have is Paul Ankoviak um but but they've got now three guys who can lay the body play physical on the back end they also have guys like Dave Cambria and Steven Jacobs who can, can move the puck up the ice I can't forget about my uh my favorite guy in uh Vito Carlo Vito Carlo looked at me last year uh we were I was at the men's hockey house just chilling out and Vito on a Friday night I don't know if he remembers this, but he goes, Ezra, you remember me because I'm going to be the best defenseman on this roster next year. He was a red shirt. And I, I firmly believe that Vito Carlo, Vito Carlo can be the best defenseman on the team this year. Uh, in 51 career games in juniors, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. In 47 games in the NA3, he had 43 points as a defenseman, seven goals, 36 assists. So he really knows how to find open teammates. I'm looking at my game sheet and I'm, I'm reading Chris Stevenson, who, by the way, in 51 career games has 45 points. So Franklin Pierce, they've got a lot of weapons on the ice, whether it's on the back end in D or if it's on the offensive end. I didn't even talk about Ian Wallace, the absolute wall, Wally in between the pipes. But I think I've gone on enough about Franklin Pierce. I think half this podcast episode is about Franklin Pierce. But next up, St. Anselm, and there's no better team to go to after Franklin Pierce. And I'll tell you because I hate St. Anselm. They are a very good hockey program. Their women's hockey program is so good, but I hate them so much. Last year, the men's team, they went 13, 13, and two, exactly 500. And in conference, they stayed at 500, eight, eight, and two. Uh, they finished the season one point out of the playoff spot after splitting a home and home series against SNHU. Uh, that's a big rivalry. Uh, You've got four team, three teams in New Hampshire in the NA10, Franklin Pierce, SNHU, and St. Aslam. But SNHU and St. A's, they're both in Manchester, very close to each other. They, they don't like each other. But the reason why I dislike St. A's so much is their women's hockey program. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty big rivalry uh, for, for our women's hockey team and, and our men's hockey team too. Um, but when we went, I told you about the semifinal game, the five-overtime game that I called. That was at St. A's against St. A's. Frank Pierce had home ice advantage. 
we were running a little late. We get there. We're trying to set up our broadcast equipment, my partner and I, Tyler. And they told us we had to move. We were, we were in the same spot we've been for the past two years. And like seven minutes to go before puck drop. Warm-ups are already over. We're, we're scrambling to get set up. We get set up, and they go, all right, yeah, you can't stay here. And it, it caused a big fight. Obviously, we, we, we were very respectful. We were very grateful for the fact that they let us come and call a game in their rink. But it, it caused a big fight. And then earlier in the season, I have my game sheets. Um, I like to think that I have a pretty good base of hockey knowledge. So I have scouting reports on pretty much every player in the NE10 and the NEWHA. Uh, and I had my game sheet out for both St. A's and Franklin Pierce. And, and one of their assistant coaches just comes over and just picks up my, my game sheets. And, and all my notes that I have on other players and starts reading them. We've got two girls at Franklin Pierce. Uh, the one is Cassie Jones, who she's very good. And he, he even told me, he goes, yeah, she's very, very good at hockey and that, that they have to watch out for her whenever they play against us. Um, but he just started watching my, reading my scouting report. And it was like, really dude, like that's, that's not yours. So I don't love St. A's. I'm, I'm kind of happy they didn't make the playoffs last year. Uh, they are losing eight guys off their roster. They're losing five forwards and three defensemen. I know they have a couple guys that went on. They're playing hockey now after college. Um, and as of a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago, they had two confirmed transfers on elite, five confirmed transfers on elite prospects, four forwards and one defenseman. See, I'm, I'm jumbling all my words. I'm getting things mixed up. It's just how much I dislike this school. Um, but Lenny Broku, he played for the Cyclones in the USPHL, 30 points in 43 games as a defenseman. Sounds a lot like Vito Carlo, who moments earlier I just said could be the best defenseman on the, on the Franklin Pierce roster. So Lenny Broku, right away, he could have a, a big impact at St. A's. And then Liam Lyons, last year in 43 games, he had 60 points. He's a forward, 23 goals, 37 assists. He played for the Islanders Hockey Club in the USPHL. Um, Islanders Hockey Club in the USPHL, by the way, very good program. Uh, as I'm up in Massachusetts in the New England area for school, I'm doing a lot of refing. And I'm seeing a, a lot of junior hockey programs and, and youth hockey programs. Uh, I do a lot at, at Edge with the East Coast Wizards, who they're a good program. Islanders Hockey Club, they're a good program. The uh, Boston Advantage is a good junior program. So Liam Lyons, he's coming from a good program. He's got a lot of points and, and, and a good amount of games in junior hockey. So he's also going to have a pretty good, pretty good uh, uh, step into the college hockey world. Next up. Finally, the last team in New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire University, snhu.edu. Uh, last year, they went 10-15-0 overall, 8-10-0 in conference. They finished in sixth place, but again, they were still in that tight race for the last playoff spot during the last weekend of the regular season. They had to win out against St. A's. Of course, they split it, and Franklin Pierce picked up a win against Assumption, so that, that really put the icing on the cake for them. Um, but what really stands out for me is the fact that they lost seven of their last 10 games. They went three and seven in those last 10. And to start, they went six and one. Uh, and we're going to get into a little bit about what that means this year. But before that, they're losing three seniors, a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. Kurt, Kurt Gutting, he's the best goalie in SNU history. Uh, he was the 18-19 NE10 goalie of the year. Uh, this past season, he went 6-11. and 11. He had a 9-1-1 save percentage, a 3.50 goals against average, and he had 17 starts. So they're, they're losing their rock on the back end, but they're bringing in a good amount of bodies. The first guy I'm looking at is Matthew Amante. 
Uh, last year, he played for the New England Wolves in the EHL. In 44 games, he had 42 points. And then I'm also looking at Derek Flynn, New England Stars in the NA3. In 46 games, he had 58 points, a defenseman. Uh, and that's the thing about the NA3s. You could have the top teams are going to be better than, than, than a lot of the teams in the EHL and the USPHL, but the worst teams are on the same level as teams in the EHL Premier and USPHL Elite. So uh, uh, he had a lot of points. It's something you love to see. He's definitely going to have a lot of confidence going into college hockey. But Southern New Hampshire, they're looking to get over that hump and make it into the playoffs and, and hopefully go on a run. I don't mind them, but obviously – those, those, those New Hampshire teams, I don't love all that much. Finally, the last team in the conference, uh, I said earlier, they're in a league of their own. 5-19-2 overall, 1-16-1 in conference. That's, of course, that's post-university. Uh, they finished the season in the last place, of course. They had one uh, in-conference win. It came on January 25th. It was a 5-1 semi-blowout over St. Mike's. Uh, and their season, it was, it was epitomized by a 10-game losing streak that was snapped with that win over St. Michael's. But not a good year for posts. Uh, I mentioned that Nichols has the best jerseys in college hockey and that I think it's St. Olaf has the best logo in college hockey. I can tell you with 100% confidence that post has the worst color scheme in college hockey, uh, it's it's this bland purple with a with a semi bright orange, uh, almost burnt. It's not cool, like good. I drove by their school a couple of a uh, couple weeks ago, and they have a fleet of cars that are just disgusting. Like they're not not good, disgusting, bad, disgusting. So just not not something you like to see. I think it translates onto the ice. Of course, if you, if you look good, you play good. And it's just not it for post. Uh, but last year, they had five seniors on the roster, four forwards and a defenseman, and they had a fifth-year forward. Um, so they're, they're losing not a ton. They're bringing in a good amount, uh, including Patrick Murphy from the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. Last year, he played in the USPHL and the NCDC. 13 games played up in the NCDC, 15 in the USPHL. Uh, two points in the NCDC, 17 in the USPHL. They're also bringing in Brandon Crowther, who played for the Revolution in the EHL. Uh, 35 games played, 34 points. And then also Connor Barter, who played in the NA3. He had 54 points in 45 games. So they're, they're touching all the leagues post-university is. They've got a guy come from the NA3, EHL, USPHL, and NCDC. Um, but like I said, you look good, you feel good. And unless post comes up with some unbelievable way to, to fix that color scheme on their jerseys. I don't know what's going to happen, but the any 10 it's a competitive conference. It's so hard to give a season preview. Uh, this is the only conference that I'll give like an actual season preview on as to what I think is going to happen. It's the only conference that I I'm confident enough to give a, a straight up, like not just stats, but watching players play. What I can tell you is Stonehill. They're going to be on the bubble for the playoffs. I don't know that they're going to repeat. As the, as the conference champions. I think Assumption is going to have another strong season. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Franklin Pierce, I don't even have them as champ. I don't know who's going to win the championship this year. That's how close it is. Uh, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make a strong push for the playoffs. They, they did lose their, their leading goal scorer, their best, most prolific scorer in program history. They do have guys like Chris Stevenson, Pat Gagliardi, John Jammers, 
uh, Steven Jacobs, uh, all guys who like Chris Stevenson, offensive on the offensive end, Steven Jacobs, offensive on the defensive end, gags and, and jammers. They're very defensive guys. They're big bodies. They get big hits. They play the puck really well. And they have Ian Wallace in between the pipes. Um, and then post, obviously, I think they're going to close the gap, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're still in their, their rebuild phase. Um, but other than that, I think that any 10, it's going to be a good year. Uh, it's a short season. So we saw that Stonehill, they took a, an entire half a season to get going. You can't do that this year. You don't have a second half of the season. Um, uh, who is it? Uh, uh, SNHU, they lost their last, or they went three and seven in their last 10 games of the season. You can't go on a run like that. Uh, and Franklin Pierce had that eight-game heater. So it, it's going to be you got to win, and you got to win early this year in, in all conferences. But I think that any 10 epitomizes that. But we're going to send it over to our interview. Mick Curran from the, from the Commonwealth Coast Conference and Curry College. He's a dual sport athlete. He, great interview. Talks about what's going on at Curry right now with all the COVID stuff and all that fun stuff. So uh, we're going to send it right over to him and we'll see what he has to say. Today's guest coming back on for the second time, but I guess his first interview um, from Curry College. He spent one fall, one season out at the East Coast Wizards in Massachusetts. Played two years in independent juniors for the Seacoast Spartans before their EHL day, which in his second season in 53 games played, he had 99 total points. Just finished up his sophomore year at Curry College, where he had 46 in 26 games. From Arlington, Massachusetts, Mick Curran. Mick, how's it going, dude? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I got sent home. I, I got quarantined for COVID. I don't think I have it, but... It's a nightmare right there. Yeah, you get the sniffles and they say, oh, see you later. So I had a nice little five-hour drive home, not feeling well yesterday. But, uh, you know, we still got to do the, the podcast, get the interviews going, and, and have a good time. Just grinding through it. Um, so, so Curry College, Massachusetts, not too far away. The state is doing pretty good. It's got a lot of regulations going. How has it been uh, around campus at Curry with, with all the COVID and, and stuff like that going on? I mean, definitely, yes. Uh, different I guess the whole world's different right now but uh you know we're adjusting pretty well and I think the school's done a pretty good job of uh keeping us there in the first place and uh you know keeping us safe are you guys having the whole like uh social distance classes like gotta sit wicked far away from all your all your classmates and teachers yep yep yeah it's tough I mean we're we're hybrids so I've got like two of my three classes that I have today we're all on Zoom, whether I was on campus or off campus. So it's a little bit of a weird semester. But you mentioned before we got started, your, your guys are getting just on the ice now, starting to get practices going. Uh, I know for youth hockey, only like the centers have to wear masks. I know at Framingham State, uh, the town told the school that the, the college hockey players, they all have to wear masks. What are you guys doing for, uh, for practice? Uh, right now we're split up into two groups. Um, so we don't have more than like 12 guys, I think ish, um, in each hour, um, everyone's wearing a mask, staying distanced, um, you know, without having games coming up, it's, it's interesting because you know, normally right now you're trying to put all your systems in and getting ready for that first game. But, um, it's kind of an opportunity to really hone in some skills that, you know, you don't normally get to work on unless you're staying on after getting on before, but right now it's a lot of skill work because, 
you're not too worried about getting the systems in right away. So when do they give you like a timetable on when you're going to get like that full team practice going? Um, there's a timetable out there. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Just kind of show up to the rink and do my thing. That That's a good way to go. I mean, a lot of conferences, they're starting to get schedules um, created, finalized, trying to get the things going. I looked on your your team's page. Your 2020-21 schedule still says that you guys started Friday, October 30th. So uh, maybe trying to find out when that first game is going to be, get get the boys going to the rink all together and uh, get those practices going so you can get those um, those those systems go but how's how's it been with the freshmen and not being able to see them skate um it's been uh it's been strange um obviously you'd rather be together as a team but um uh, we're a pretty close team off the ice so we get to know everybody and uh um you know getting to work in on the ice in small groups so that's huge so we'll we'll go away from the COVID talk no one likes the COVID talk I hate the. I mean like I said I, I'm home I'm in quarantine right now. I got the sniffles and they, they kicked me off campus. So we'll go back in time a little bit, uh, back to your time. Uh, Arlington High, Massachusetts High School Hockey. I did not know anything about public school hockey in Mass. I grew up New Jersey kid. High school hockey here is dog shit. It's horrible. I played for my tier one team and I played high school hockey at the same time. Um, but up there, uh, I do a lot of refing with the Valley Hockey League and the BHL and stuff like that. And it's all town hockey. Uh, and it's, it's when you get to that age, you're playing for your town, and then you, you stop when the high school season starts, and then you're playing high school hockey. Uh, did you do a whole lot of that, um, out like edge and stuff like that, playing for Arlington during the, the fall, and then the winter came, and just high school hockey? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, we had a group of kids who we started, you know, skating together, really. And uh, we played together our whole lives. Um, you know, my little brother's on the team, my cousin, all our best friends. And uh, that core group of kids really stuck together through high school. I mean, we all graduated together, played on the same team the entire time. Um, so it was a really cool, special experience. So you, you play with the same kids, but you're also playing against the same kids too. Do you form like good relationships, but also some like bad relationships with some of the kids you're playing against? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, younger years when we're playing middle school hockey, uh, there's definitely some uh, – some pretty good rivalries going on. And then, uh, you know, you get to know these kids, um, you know, you run into them at a football game or something like that. And uh, you're, you realize it's the same type of kids at every town. Um, the ones you hate the most on the ice are the ones that you like the most off the ice. So um, ended up performing some pretty good relationships with some kids from other towns, which is fun. That's unreal. I mean, Massachusetts in general is just an un unreal hockey state uh the area from mass where you're from is even better uh, a lot of talent coming out of there a lot of people a lot of rich history in, inside the sport and you didn't leave that area when you got to juniors you went you played for seacoast spartans which i don't know if they're right near your house but it's still the new england area um that kind of situation going on they weren't in like the ehl or the usphl the ncdc they were an independent junior team so what kind of brought you to Seacoast and playing for the Spartans? So when I graduated high school, um, I didn't really get, understand really the whole idea of junior. I didn't understand what it was. Um, so I get a call from coach Mike Adessa and, you know, he starts to read off his resume and it just kind of drops because he's done it all. He's coached, he's scouted, he, he knows what he's talking about. And then um, talked to a few other people up there, uh, Coach Matt Pincheski, who's actually coaching the Null now. Um, Nick Terrian, who's coaching out at Utica now. 
And um, you could just tell how invested they were in the players, not just the program, but each individual. And, uh, you know, once I got to know those guys, it was pretty easy choice for me that, you know, I want to go play for them. And so you get out there first year, just about 20 games, 19 games played, 13 points, not jumping off the score sheet, jumping out in everybody's eyes. But um, did you know, like, I was going to go play college hockey, Division three college hockey at that point? Or was it really your second year where you started just absolutely popping off um, that you said, all right, this is going to be something I do? Well, that first year I played half season and then uh, finished with my high school. That was my senior year. Um, so I still didn't have a full uh, grasp on what, you know, junior hockey was because for me it was just a half season team. Um, so, you know, I finished high school and wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Think about going to play lacrosse. And then, uh, you know, I got another call from Odessa asked me to come back and play for him the next year. And he basically told me, you know, my role is going to increase. Um, he, he saw a lot of potential and, you know, he wanted to help me work on the things that I need to work on to become a better player. And I got up there and the second year, and that's when I really kind of started feeling comfortable in my, with my game and um, with that group of people in that system. And, and that second year, I mean, talk about feeling comfortable, 53 games played, 99 points, you had 37 talks and 62 assists. Um, was he, was your coach, like he said, like you said, he, he told you your role was going to be a bigger role on the team. Was that something that it just gave you the confidence to go out there and, and do what you do best on the ice every day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you know if you make a mistake, you're still going to be out there the next shift. Uh, it's a different kind of confidence where you're not too worried about the little things, um, which, you know, obviously hockey is it's a fast game. You're going to make mistakes all the time. Um, but the ones that don't worry about it and can keep their heads straight are the ones that, you know, keep making plays as the game goes on. And so Seacoast – like I said, they're not, they weren't, or at least now they are, they're in the EHL, but they weren't in the EHL. They weren't in like a legit junior hockey league that it's, it's main goal is to get kids to the next level. But your coach out there, he had that long resume. He had all those contacts. Was he a big part in getting you to Curry or, or in how you got to choose where you wanted to go to school? Um, yeah. I mean, to be completely honest, I wasn't uh, very heavily recruited coming out of junior. Um, I think that no league thing was a tough thing for a lot of teams to get over. Um, but one of the assistant coaches had played at Curry, had a pretty good relationship with Coach TJ. And um, so I remember he gave a call down to TJ and, you know, asked him to come up and just give me a look and see what he thought. And, um, you know, TJ saw something that I guess a lot of coaches didn't. And, you know, he was – there's, I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't recruited. There's was a few coaches that were great to me, and you know, but uh, TJ was one of the guys that called me all the time. You know, he was he was really hot on my track, um, just trying to make sure that you know Curry was always an option for me. And close to home, I'm looking at pictures of the campus right now. It looks like an unreal campus. You're you're not too far away from the city life, but you're kind of tucked away in your own little area. Uh, is it like, even though it wasn't. Uh, uh, a big thing you being recruited but you ended up at Curry is it uh, a decision that you're really happy with and you I mean skill wise and, and and on paper on your stats it looks like you're fitting in great with Curry but other than that I mean Curry seems like it's a great place to go to school yeah I mean I I grew up kind of the city life uh, I love Boston I spent a lot of time there growing up all summer we uh we play street hockey in the city all summer every weekend um so you know I'm kind of a a little bit of a city rat, I guess. Um, didn't want to go too far. So it was a good spot for me, for sure. And like you said, you didn't want to go too far. Uh, it kind of fell in your in your back pocket, right in your backyard, Curry College. 
you, you didn't go too far for juniors. You didn't go too far for, for college. So was it your parents just in the back of your mind just saying, hey, we want to come to your games? Or was it something that's just secondhand, like it's, it's all right if I go home or if I go far away? Yeah, so for me, it was uh, having my parents around. Was, uh, it was important for sure. Um, you know, my parents sacrificed a lot in their lives to make sure I could always play the game that I loved. And, um, you know, my dad works a lot. So his, uh, his favorite thing to do on the weekends is get out, go see uh, me play hockey, my brother go play football, just loves being at sports events. So it was important for me to be able to be around them and let them experience it with me. And that, that first year you played 26 games, that was all the games you guys played that year, right? Mm -hmm. So lots of hockey for you. Freshman year, not a disappointment at all. Nine goals, 15 assists, 24 points in 26 games. Uh, you, you mentioned when you jumped into playing junior hockey with, with Sea Coast and you were still a senior in high school, you didn't really have a grasp on what junior hockey was. Um, was it a much easier transition for you when you got to Curry and, and the game of college hockey? Um, I'd say so. I think I went in, obviously, after a pretty good year um, up at Sea Coast and my mindset was to come in and uh, just play my game, not, you know, not worry about the mistakes, like I said. And um, I got put on the line with two very good players, which, you know, obviously that helps a ton when you got two kids that are going to make you better every time they're on the ice with you. Uh, and, then, and then this year, I mean, you just popped off. And I think it's so funny that you said that not a lot of coaches were scouting you coming out of juniors. The whole no league thing was a bit of a, of a, of a bad thing for some coaches, but 26 games played, 46 total points. You jumped that nine goals up to 11 and you more than doubled your assist totals to 35 points. And you said your, your line mates that you play with, it's always nice when you have someone or, or two guys who just make you better every time you guys are on the ice. Uh, what happened this past year, your sophomore year? Uh, I, th I think it all just kind of clicked. Um, our power play was playing really well. Um, you know, we have Nick Miguel Diaz, first team all conference on defense. And, you know, he's taking one timers that just finding corners all, all game. Uh, we had Billy Vizzo, who was a senior, uh, transcendent from Endicott, and he was just a purebred goal scorer. Um, and then obviously my line, um, Alex Otterback and Victor Jansen are both, uh, they're just studs, both of them really. Um, they can both just play. Miguel Diaz, he was like the EHL uh, defender of the year his last year of juniors, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's – I also heard he's a character on and off. He's, he's a great kid. He's that's, fun. That's, like, the thing you love to see when, when you got a kid who's unreal at hockey, he's just living it up, but he's also a character. He knows how to have a good time. But um, Yeah, he's, uh, he's just the happiest guy you've ever met. It's pretty funny. Just loves life. That's unreal. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, I mean, there's a lot to love about life and, and how you guys were playing. Um, but the ending – you got to the, the championship tournament, the quarterfinals. You're playing Wetworth, who they they were an underdog, and they somehow clawed their way to a, to a finals. But uh, what was that really like going into playoffs and, and getting ready to make a run to go to the finals? Um, I mean, you know, Wentworth might not have had the greatest record, but they're, they're just a tough team. They always play hard. Um, it's never an easy game, no matter what the score looks like. So they're close games. There's, you know, games where they get blown out a couple of times, but – it's never an easy game. They're, they're good. They play hard. Um, and then they got a goalie who started, you know, he really turned it on uh, second half of the year and then playoffs, he was lights out. Um, so all the props to them. They were, 
they're always a good team. And, uh, you know, you run into a hot goalie, makes a few nice saves and season ends real quick. Uh, it's, it's so weird. Uh, and you mentioned like, they're not a bad team. They, they're always in close games. I had a goalie that got hot, even in any 10, uh, which I have a lot of work in. Franklin Pierce and Stonehill were in the finals. They were the three and four seed. It's just the game of hockey. It's, it's unbelievable how one bounce can change everything. Uh, and like you said, close game, it was that 2-1 game where it was just goalie got hot. It was hard to beat him more than once. Yeah, um, honestly, the way you see it, there's no bad players playing college hockey. There's not enough teams to go around. Every team's got good players. So, you know, sometimes some teams do a little better than others, but there's every team, you know, on any given night can win the next game. That's an unreal way to put it. And it's so true because – you think about uh, Division Three athletics across the board, not just hockey, and there's, there's so many Division One football programs and then so many Division Two that when you get to Division Three, it's like you kind of have kids that they played football in high school. They weren't getting recruited to go anywhere, so they just they started playing when they got to college. And then now you have Division Three college hockey players. There's not as many Division One programs. There's like six Division Two programs. There's not like any. And it's the same level as Division Three. Um, yeah. And hockey is just – when you get to that level, you're going to be a good hockey player. I never thought about it that way where every team just, they always have good players. So anybody can win. That's a, a good way to put it, but you get to the off season. Um, probably the weirdest off season of your life. It was definitely the weirdest off season of my life. Uh, what, what were you doing to try and stay fit and trying to stay, stay ready to go for when the season started? Uh, a lot of biking, uh, a lot of rollerblading, um, you know, shooting pox stick handle and just really anything to, stay into it um obviously gym shut down so we were working out up in my cousin's garage um you know just anything really to stay busy and did any of the boys stay up in uh up in massachusetts with you i don't know how many guys you have that are like local but so it's funny we actually have uh we have two kids from massachusetts me and uh one other and we live we live probably six blocks from each other at home um other than that, a couple of kids stayed local. Pretty much everybody goes home. And, you know, we're 50% international. So uh, we had kids all over Canada, Europe. So, you know, we weren't even sure if they're going to get back this semester. But luckily, everyone's back. So everyone's back. Like you just started practicing. I've got to assume you guys have been doing off, off ice practices and workouts as a team. Um, you had a, a really good year last year 17, 6, and 3, made the playoffs. You guys looking for another good year this year? Absolutely. You're always looking to be a little bit better than the year before. That's exactly, exactly what everybody wants to hear. Yeah. Um, but Mick, thank you so much for coming on. Nice, quick little 20-minute interview. Um, but yeah, good luck this year with, with the whole COVID year. I guess go out <laughs> and vote is what I've been hearing. Uh, been, been brainwashed in my brain for the past couple of days, so I got to say it now too. But uh, good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Big thanks to Mick Curran for coming on the podcast uh, and redoing the interview. Uh, the first time we did it, it was like shitty quality, phone call, raspy voice kind of type. Second time we did it, it was good quality, Zoom call, clear, had the mic boosters on the soundboard going. So great interview. Love, love talking to him. And, uh, that's going to do it for episode number nine of the College Hockey Podcast. My mind's a little bit in the blender right now. Still at home. Uh, talked about Franklin Pierce for about 75 minutes this episode. So uh, 
until next week, this is the College Hockey Podcast, and, and make sure you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.